world your oyster. Today we are speaking with Monica Comrash, a remarkable woman who embodies the spirit of Monica's Bridal, a business that is not just a business, but a family legacy steeped in artistry, determination, and the pursuit of the American dream. Monica's Bridal is the culmination of three generations, unwavering commitment to excellence, and Monica herself stands as a shining testament to the family's passion for design and craftsmanship. The story of Monica's bridal begins over 40 years ago with her grandmother, Simona, a talented designer and seamstress in Ukraine. Simona's skill and expertise in the fashion industry inspired her daughter, Liliana, to follow in her footsteps. Liliana, driven by her artistic aspirations, attended Ukraine's most prestigious school of design, where she honed her craft and developed her unique sense of style. It was during this time that Liliana met David, a man who shared her passion for art and design and would later become one of the top-rated building developers in New York City. Together, Simona, Liliana, and David embarked on a journey to America with a collective $350 in their pocket. Their hearts filled with hope for the fabled American dream, they worked tirelessly to preserve their ambition for design and create a better future. In the 80s, fueled by their collective passion for bridal and evening fashion, Simona and Liliana decided to establish their own fashion house, naming it Monica's Bridal. They bestowed upon it hope that the new addition to their family, Monica, would carry out their family's legacy. Growing up surrounded by the rich, creative heritage of her mother and grandmother, Monica developed a deep appreciation for design. When the time came to pursue her own education, she enrolled at the Fashion Institute of Technology, where she studied diligently, honing her skills as a fashion designer and immersing herself in the world of merchandising. In the spring of 2008, Monica graduated, marking the beginning of a new chapter in the family's fashion journey. A magnificent castle crafted and adorned with antique interiors awaited her. A castle that her father, David, had built as a testament to his unwavering support for his family's dreams. Today, Monica's Bridal offers an array of exclusive national and international bridal gowns, dresses for mothers, bridesmaids, and guests, from shoes to headpieces and every accessory imaginable. Monica is the custodian of her family's legacy, and we are thrilled to have her here today to tell us about her experience and how she plans to push the business forward. Welcome to the show. Monica, welcome to World's Your Oyster. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is so nice. I'm excited to be here. I know. We have, this has been, we've been trying to, to schedule this for quite some time and I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you because I've found that over the last couple of episodes, we've been talking a lot about like lineage and families and working with your families and how we kind of preserve what our families have built, but also still maintain a voice of our own. Of so course. it was so interesting to have you kind of in this mix because your family has a very successful business that started over 40 years ago, yes, right? So did. I would love if you can tell us that story from the beginning. So um, it didn't actually start as a bridal salon. Uh, my parents uh, were born and raised in Ukraine, in Odessa. My mother went to school for 
uh, fashion design. She was a fashion designer. And then she married my father. They were very young at the age of 17. And my mother's family actually at the time when they were married already had plans to leave as refugees from the country. So they all immigrated together um, to America. It was in uh, 77. And they planted roots in the U.S. My mother, my grandmother, right away, they went to work for um, a still around, very well-known uh, company called Simplicity. They do pattern making for Vogue and McCall's. Okay. Um, so that's where they started. And then eventually in around 85, um, they saved up enough money and they bought a piece of real estate in Chiefs Bay Road. And they built... It was not bridal at that point yet. They built a custom, like, LTA with Italian clothing in the front. So they carried a wide selection of Italian brands like Versace, Trussardi, and a lot of, like, brands that they were bringing in here. In 1987, there was actually a very big stock market crash. Mm -hmm. So they had to figure out what they were going to do. And they went back to their roots and decided to, to just gear it towards um, special occasion evening wear bridal. Amongst all of this, my mom finds out she's pregnant. So it took her for a whirlwind and she's like, you know, the, uh, the right fit would be to name it Monica's Bridal. Because that was going to be your name. Yes, that was going to be my name. Um, and So you had no choice. I had no choice. I was kind of groomed into this from... You know, conception. Conception, like, yes, yeah, literally. yes, <laughs> literally. Uh, so they opened up the store and that's it. And every, the rest is history. That's crazy. So now you growing up, you knew that you had a store, right? It was called Monica's I Bridal. knew I had a store. From a young age, I would spend my summers there. My, my mother utilized the free labor. <laughs> she had me working from a very young age. I remember being no more than like five, six years old. And she would have clients coming in. And they would, you know, they would call her Monica. They would think, you know, meeting her, upon meeting her, they'd be like, oh, hello, Monica. She would turn to me. She'd be like, no. That's Monica. That's the boss. And the people would just look surprised, like, you know, who's making my dress? <laughs> so that's kind of where it started out. And, you know, I helped as I could. And then as I got older, I helped more and more and just got acquainted with everything with the business. I would go to the fashion shows and the buying and I was just in it. So you never wanted to rebel against this life that your family essentially built for you from the time that you were... Growing up, I was extremely artsy. So okay. when little girls would play with Barbies, I always had a passion for coloring. Like, that was my thing. I love to color. I love to draw from a very young age. Um, I my mom tells a funny story that I actually have, like, a little bit of OCD also. So she would buy me, like, a new fresh pack of, like, coloring pencils. And I would sharpen them. And if they were not exact... I would break them and sharpen them again. Oh, wow. That's that was, it was next like, level. Yeah, it was from like a very young age. So like that perfection, that meticulous and that like um, just strive for like perfection has always just been with me. Okay. I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's like enough to drive you insane. Yeah. That's crazy. So you started going to the bridal shows at a young age. Very so young age. like 10 
or younger even younger she would take me they always serve like a nice lunch I would I would so you were excited about the lunch I was excited about the lunch and the candy and she did her work and she would take me and you know it sinks in even if it's even if it's background noise at the time it, it kind of you absorb it Totally. I mean, I have a similar experience growing up in my parents' dance schools, and I didn't start to take dance seriously until I was like, I believe, eight or nine years old. Actually, I think it might have been 10 years old, whenever third grade is. I'm not sure how old you are at that point. But I had always been in the dance school, and I had always attended the dance competitions with my father. And I think just through osmosis, eventually, I was like, I finally made that leap to just say, you know what, I don't want to do this for fun anymore. I want to do this for... A career, essentially. Yeah. And I don't know what that when when it was, what the switch was, but I think again, it's just by kind of being around it. You can't help but be inspired when of you see these beautiful things. Or well, in my case, I was watching my dad's dance company win all these big trophies and it looked so cool and fun and they had these great friendships because it was kids as well. Right. And I was like, I want to be in on that. Of course. I remember actually I don't remember how old I was. I want to say no more than 10. And I think, you know, when you're at that age, you get you get questioned a lot, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I remember once saying along the lines of, like, I want to be, like, a vet or a pediatrician or something like that. And I just got a side eye, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're going to be with mom. You're going to you, – this is in you. You're going to do it. You're going to kill it. So that question was asked in front of your mom, and your mom was like, no, 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 honey. <laughs> That is so funny. Isn't it interesting how as a child you actually get asked that question more than you do when you're an adult? It's so interesting. Right? Yeah. How would you define your style as opposed to the style of, say, uh, your mother or your grandmother? So I think that my style is a little more refined and it's a little more simple and elegant versus my mother is very shiny. Like she gravitates towards the sparkle and the glitz. And in that sense, uh, we work very well together because there's so many different clients and so many different aesthetics. She loves that stuff. And I'm more about the structure and the shapes and things like that. Well, your training is also a bit more... um recent. Do you take any type of fashion classes while so you're in high when school I was, you're working? So my parents really groomed just and nurtured the talent. They saw a talent. They knew that, you know, I love to draw, whether it was design or, you know, uh, realistic art. Um, they saw that there was a talent there. Um, for middle school, I applied to a specialized middle school with a talent. They did lots of talents, but they had an art talent and I went for that. And then for high school, I went to a specialized high school that had a fashion design program that helped you create your portfolios and just geared you in the right path to apply to different fashion schools. So I did that. I ended up going to the Fashion Institute of Technology, um, and I graduated with a fashion design uh, minor and majored in um, marketing. Mm -hmm. No, no, merchandising. Merchandising, sorry. <laughs> we went to the, the same time. We didn't know each other. But <laughs> merchandising, I'm sorry. There's so many, like, words tossed around. That one was called FMM, right? Yes. Fashion Merchandising Management? Yes, yes, FMM. Yes, FMM. I'll never forget that. Oh, my gosh. Those were the days at FIT. Yes. But now, if you want to talk a little bit about your experience, because there's a lot of people that watch this show that actually are in college. And I think that, and I know myself, too, when I was in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I actually majored in advertising, marketing, communications. 
I haven't used my degree a single day of my life. I mean, I guess a little bit. I'm in sales. But, you know, I think somebody like you who has this strong foundation of a passion career, but your family already had the businesses. So you, I think before you even got to the school, knew what that end goal was for you. I did. My parents, there was one ultimatum for them. For you to work with us, we need a diploma. That was it. Because they wanted to know that there was stability at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If something were to happen, that I would have a diploma. And for them, you know, being immigrants, that was something that was very important. You know, you mm -hmm. need your education. So if I had a fallback plan. So whether it be a piece of paper or something else, like I was able to, to use it if, if it wasn't for them. I think that if you are creative and uh, if you have a talent, my personal opinion is that the school is, you know, it's just school. You can do whatever your heart desires if you have a passion and you can, you know, follow through with your dreams and you don't necessarily need to go to school or mm -hmm. something as specialized as that. So I was telling, I was telling you earlier that uh, being in the fashion design program, it was great, but we had two semesters of sewing. Um, not having the foundation. You know, I would come home so late at night, take the train home to mm -hmm. back to Brooklyn, because that's where I'm from. Um, and I would, you know, open up shop with my mom at like nine or 10 o'clock at night and take personal lessons from her. And, you know, if we had a project like you need to sew or you need to make something, I, I would kind of be clueless because in two semesters we had two sewing classes, it was, you know, a blouse, and the second semester was a jacket, but you had to make pants, you had to make skirts, you had to make other things, and we weren't really taught this. Was, so you didn't know how to sew when you went into school? I knew how to sew. I was not great at sewing, but I had some kind of like foundation, some skills of sewing. Uh, but going into school, being a student not sewing, I think that's like a recipe for disaster. A lot of uh, students were self-taught. I actually had like a student several, within the last five years who would pay us to create their samples for school because they're not really taught to, to sew there. It's yeah. more, it's very artistic. So um, if you draw well, if you are artistic, if you can, you know, create masterpieces on paper, it's wonderful. You're going to really persevere there. But um, if you don't have that knowledge of translating paper to reality, it's going to be very hard to break into the industry. So when does that switch happen for you? When do you really go from... As you said, your skills were really rudimental when you got into FIT and you were So I think time once I once I, once I started um, FIT and I realized that I needed more. Like I said, I would just go to her. Yeah. She I would just go to her. It was it's really like a luxury that I had her kind of in my arsenal. And now you said your aesthetics are different. So when do you feel that you developed your aesthetic? I wanna say maybe the last ten years. So um, growing up alongside her. I was kind of her shadow. And everything that she loved, I loved. So she was, you know, she was my role model. She was my mentor. Um, so what she loved, I thought was fantastic. And then I started branching out. And I was like, you know, this, this may not be the only thing. And we actually had, like, during the buying process, sometimes we would have, like, little arguments where I would be like, you know, this is going to be great. Like, you, we should order this. 
because we carry designers as well. We do a lot of custom. Uh, okay, okay. We do custom. So our main business is custom, but mm-hmm. um, we do still carry designers. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the buying process, I would say, you know, this is fantastic. I love it. And she would look at it and she would be like, it's a nightgown. Like, what are you looking at? Like, it would just be nothing. And I'm like, let's just try it. We have to try it. Like, if we don't do it, we don't know. And she would fight me on it. And then it would sell. we would buy it and it would be like the best seller. So how long did it take for her to start to trust you? She always trusted me, but it's always, it's like that mom-daughter dynamic. It's like, I know what's best for you. Um, it still plays a big role in business. It's very hard to work with family in, yeah. that, in that sense. Um, there's a lot of uh, chiefs and no Indians. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, That's so funny. But I think off, off the bat, I think, she, you know, she trusted me. And, you know, if we made a mistake, then we fixed it next season. It wasn't yeah. a big deal. Wow. That's great. How involved is your mom still to this day? Very involved. Okay. So she's full She's still designing, full time, still full time. buying. Yes. We're doing everything together. Hey, my pearls. Since you're listening to this show, I would assume that you are into all things self-betterment. And what is better than being healthy? Which is why we've partnered with eFunctional. eFunctional is an online healthcare marketplace designed to meet the needs of today's busy and health-conscious consumers. With eFunctional, you gain access to fully certified, state-of-the-art laboratories right from your own home. Their partnership with top-notch laboratories allow them to offer a wide range of at-home laboratory tests from wellness and sexual health to food sensitivities and more. eFunctional is your trusted partner for accessible, accurate, and affordable healthcare testing. Visit their website at www.efunctional.com for more information and use our code OYSTA20, that's O-Y-S-T-A-20, for 20% off at checkout. And now you have no excuse to get your diagnostics on. You'll thank us later. So how do you go about all of your processes? So you have somebody that comes into the store, they are not doing a custom gown, they want to buy something off of the rack from you. How do you assure that their experience is completely tailored to what they're looking for for that event? So a customer that comes in who is not buying um, custom dress, they are working with the sales associates. So we have a staff of sales associates and they're going to go through the process, you know, whether they want an A-line dress, a mermaid dress, a ball gown, and they're just going to go through it. They're going to pick dresses that they like. They're going to try it on and they're going to settle on on a dress. And at, that, at which point I come in and it's usually it's either they love everything about it or they want to tweak it. Take a sleeve and off. They, or yeah, and that's, and that's where we get creative with the process. So um, we do alterations. And then if they want to do any add-ons, which makes it unique to the bride themselves. So even if it's an off-the-rack gown or uh, it's ordered, um, but, you know, the silhouette and the shape and the design is standard, they can always make it their own. Yeah. Now, how many custom dresses are you typically working on at any given moment? No, a lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. So it can be, you know, 20, 50, 30. It's, it's, it's a lot, especially summer because it's wedding season and now it's wedding time. So now everything is coming together. Most of the orders, which people don't really know. So in bridal, you need at least like six to nine months to order a gown if it's, if it's not being made. And if it's not being, if it's not being made. So I'm going to come back to another story. (laughs) (laughs) So if it's not being made, if it's, it's a designer gown, usually the lead time on those things is, I want to say average nine months. 
Six yeah. months on the shorter end. Yep. Um, if they have it in stock, it's much quicker. Why is that, by the way? I always wondered that. I, you know, I think supply. No, sure. it's not. It has nothing to do with supply. Nobody wants to stock them because it's they Big. take up so much space. You need a warehouse. A lot of these companies they have like a landing site in the states, whether it be in New York or Texas or California or whatnot. And it's it's an office, and they're taking orders. When they get the order, they send those orders in bulk wherever the, that dress is being produced, whether it's in Europe or Asia or whatnot. Um, so I think that nobody wants to stock these pieces. I think that's what it is. Six to nine months. Don't forget it. Yes. <laughs> Go get your dresses. So they typically order a dress in the winter or should order a dress in the winter if you're having a summer okay. wedding to make sure that there's enough time to do everything and alterations and any type of modifications that are needed. And the needed. way that the bridal calendar works, they'll be wearing, like, if you're someone that's concerned with seasons or whatever, you'll be wearing the right year, right season. Uh, yes, but I don't think bridal changes as much as ready to wear. Right. So it's pretty much stays consistent. The styles change a little yeah. bit here and there, but it's, it's What kind is your of, favorite type of dress? I think I'm a very strong believer, but you know what? I think the venue really dictates. dictates the dress. That's interesting. Yeah. So you don't think that the bride dictates that, like the, the bride and her vibe? I mean, I've had brides who do beach weddings and wear ball gowns. But to yeah. me, I don't think that that's fitting. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, you live it up, do whatever makes your heart sing, you know? Totally. Um, but I, for me, I think the vibe and the venue really dictates the wedding and the dress. And I think the dress is really the focal point of the wedding. A hundred percent. Well, that and the, the destination. If it's <laughs> yes. <laughs> so walk me through the process of what it's like to get a custom bridal dress made. The custom bride is usually, or evening wear, anything custom is usually the client who has scoured the internet in every store possible and cannot find something that they love, whether it be a style that they love, something that fits their body, or even just what they're looking for. It could, it could even be down to like a color. It could be absolutely anything. And they come to us. Uh, some, some people will say, I have, I love this top. This, this fits me really well. We'll have a picture or, you know, off the internet or not. I love this skirt. I can't find something together. Can you make me something, you know, better, but put it together? And that's kind of where it starts. And then other people just, they love it because they love the fact that it's tailored to them and it always looks better when, when something is made for you. Mm -hmm. um, it fits them proportionally. And that's, that's, that's kind of the customer that, that comes to do... And you bring them through a full sketch process. It's so a full sketch, sketch process. Out. We have all the fabric. So it goes from you know, infancy to, to... to birth. Uh, we do it along the line. So we're sketching it out. We, we select the fabric together. We select the style together. Once it's approved, then we will go ahead and order all of the supplies and we start uh, putting it together. Uh, and you're physically sewing these or yes. you have a... Yeah, yes and no. So sometimes yes. And sometimes um, I have seamstresses that will work on the dresses as well. Right. So we have a first fitting. Any type of changes are usually decided then. Mm -hmm. um, it goes back into production. It gets a second round of fittings. And then usually it takes about three fittings for the final fitting. Only three. Yeah. That's I mean, three. sometimes if you're changing things along the way, you'll have more. Right. But if you stay on course and it's like, this is what I want make it for me and it's usually about three it's actually fittings. the same for regular dress yeah. too like I yeah. think I went three times for alterations yeah. 
Do you become emotionally uh, invested in, into some of these dresses? I do. I do. <laughs> I really like, I, I, I love this, the back end story and I love just taking them along for the ride and just being a part of it. I think yeah. I'm so grateful to the brides that, you know, trust me and that want me to be a part of their event. And that, you know, when, when everything is done, you know, and the dust settles, when you, when you receive like a message afterwards, like everybody loved it. I looked amazing. I felt amazing. Oh, I felt beautiful. I think that that is the most that you can ever ask for. Yeah, that's so amazing. You must get invited to a lot of weddings. Well, do I do, you? yes. I, I, <laughs> do you go? It's, it's or do you one have... rule. I, don't, I don't go to any weddings because if you go to one, then you the next client who sent there, you know, you have to go to them all. So. I know. Only the people that I actually know who, who are like friends and would come to me, then I definitely go to their weddings. Yeah. And I'm usually working at their weddings. Are you nervous to work on a friend or family's dress? Yes. It's, there's a lot of pressure, uh, but I think that since you're so close to the person, I feel like same goes back to just, you know, the pressure. You really want to try your best because especially if you're attending that wedding, you know, everybody's, you know, looking over their shoulder. Oh, she made the dress. Made the dress. And it's like, <laughs> hi, <Yeah>. I'm here. <laughs> yes, that was me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what are the things that brides or anyone that's looking for evening wear, what should they be looking for when they're looking for their dresses? I think something that fits. <laughs> something that fits because you have all different types of body shapes. We're all beautiful. But, you know, you have to do, I think, what what works for your body. I think that's so important. Mm. If you know that your body looks bomb <laughs> in a mermaid gown, like, do not follow your best friend's advice, on a, you know, to follow through on her dream of a wedding, like a ball gown. Right. You know, because you have friends. Everybody has different tastes, and you're going to get a lot of opinions, and, you know, everybody has their own dreams growing up of, you know, the ideal wedding and how they're going to look. Every, every little girl grows up, you know, yeah. dreaming that. So I think that it's so important to just stay true to yourself. Yeah. Well, that's what I think is the most incredible thing about the wedding called wedding dress industry. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like there's so many beautiful gowns to choose there from is. nowadays. So it's like the options it's, are just endless. Like I couldn't even pick a dress. It was so difficult to pick a dress because they all looked really good. Like, I mean, I'm fortunate in that way. I know right. I don't, I don't want, actually, that's horrible. I'm just <laughs> terrible. Cut that out. But like, you know, it's, it was really hard to pick because they're all just so cool. They're and all they're, so they're, unique. they're getting just better and better. They're getting better and better. I remember somebody actually gave me the advice. Once you pick your dress, unfollow every bridal account. I agree. Unfollow I every agree. bridal account. I agree. Because you're going to regret your decision I as agree. soon as you see another dress I that couldn't you agree more. We have girls. And who, I did it. Yeah. We have girls who come in and they're so set on something. And then the next day you get an email. Well, how about we change the neckline? Can we change the neckline? Or can we change the sleeve? Can we make a sleeve? Can, you know, do you think that this would look better with, you know, a fuller skirt? And it's like, just stop. You look so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And the <laughs> truth is, in 10 years, you're going to hate your dress anyway. Regardless, <laughs> you are. That's just the way that it goes. You know, you're going to wish you did something I think else. the style just changes. So I yeah. wore a monstrosity, a gigantic ball gown. I mean, it was what was in style <laughs> at the time. Did your mom make it? I made it. You made it. I made it. my own dress. And I had two dresses. So my first dress was just soft and like ethereal. And it was just made out of tulle. But it was huge. And the venue that I had, it was also, it was, it was huge. So I, I, I needed something 
I also had a lot of like back a lot of pressure in this business. <laughs> I had a lot of pressure, you know, to deliver. What am I gonna wear? You know, being in this industry, that was a big deal. So um, I'm sure for you, was your first dance like a big deal for Huge. people? Exactly. And I had a nightmare. Exactly. I had a nightmare happen. <laughs> no. So was, I, we didn't practice in my dress. Oh, and we ended up falling all over each oh, other. My no. dad and I, we practiced for five months. Oh, no. It was really so <laughs> I actually had someone help me with my wedding dance, and I was practicing with, like, a huge hoop skirt. Smart. <laughs> Very smart. We should have done the same thing. So I had a gorgeous, it was huge, and the train was miles long. And I think that, I don't think being me, I was able to, say, top anyone. I just had to just be big. Yeah. In any, any shape or form, because what I've done... Sure, there are people who have done it before me. There are people who have done it after me. So I had to also just stay true to my style, but I had to do it in a big way. Mm -hmm. And then for my second dress, I gravitated towards my mom, something that I knew that we, we met in the middle. So the silhouette of the dress was also still big, um, but it was very simple. Um, and I spent almost a year doing like an ombre Swarovski, like situation where it was just like bedazzled from like head to toe and we planned that um, I would change right before my first dance with my father mm -hmm. and the lights would just be shining on me and I walked in and I was just the disco ball and it was like the room stopped and you could hear like a pin drop and it was just like all eyes on me it was the most incredible feeling oh. to be honest but it was very cool it was very cool God, I could only imagine. Being the client. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see that dress, by the way. It had to have been spectacular. Where did you get married? I got married at the Crystal Plaza in Livingston. Okay. I know it. I've seen that. Yeah. That venue is very grand. It's, it's beautiful. I was trying to find a venue with an outdoor ceremony. That was my that was my goal. Like, I, I envisioned getting married outside. And the day of our wedding, we woke up to a tornado oh. <laughs> and a downpour. And my dreams were crushed. And all of my flowers and everything were set up outside. Everything was outside. And I remember extending cocktail hour for another hour and a half because they're like, okay, if the rain stops, we promise. They were, they were excellent. Like, I love the venue and their hospitality was just excellent. Uh, they said, as soon as the rain stops, we're going to wipe down all the seats and you can go outside and have your ceremony. And we waited it out. And So you got it? No. Uh, oh. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. We waited and, you know, the guests were antsy, but we had a wonderful cocktail hour with an abundance of food and yeah. everybody was happy. And and um, we actually, it was very intimate. They moved it indoors. We had no flowers, no nothing. And as soon as the ceremony ended, the rain stopped. So it was a sign from God. <laughs> I love that. And I'm sure your mom designed her own dress as she well. She did. She did. So How the, many custom dresses were there at your wedding? I think <laughs> there had to be a every, lot. Everything. Everything, everything was custom. Yeah. Down to like the Bridesmaids. down to the table linens. We I I played like a huge role in my wedding. Um, I worked hand in hand with the florist and with on staff. So everything was detailed. Everything yeah. was very true to myself. And I wanted our table just to be spectacular and they couldn't find me like a table linen that I loved. And I said, you know what, guys? I'll just make it. I'll just make it myself. Now, would you ever think of doing any brand extensions where you maybe went into like bridal, uh, bridal accessories? I mean, I know that you do bridal accessories veiled, but I'm saying for the actual day of the event. So how you said that you design your table linens and your tablescape. Would you do any brand extensions? I would love to, but I think that it's not right now. It's like, wait, there's <laughs> so much going lot. on. There's and so much babies. juggling. Yes, yeah. and three kids. There's so much juggling. Um, but I also want to focus on what I know that you do well, that I do well, because yeah. 
you know, doing something mediocre is just not me. Mm-hmm. I have to do it well or I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. Uh, amen. That yes. definitely makes sense. But it could be fun when you're like, you know, getting tired of sewing. Yeah, of course. So um, as of recently, like once I started having kids, I really, really dove like head in and I have like such a passion for kids dresses so I started doing I started like doing a little bit of that but they're like very extravagant so it's like a mini bride but like in a in a baby version and they're usually so spectacular because it's miniature right um so I love doing that that's and these would be for like flower girls or more for like just even first birthdays first birthday a flower girl um just photo shoots even people you know yeah oh yeah no. well nowadays nowadays everyone, everyone, everyone is doing the most <laughs> yes all yeah the so it's fun it's yeah fun. that's cool and a little bit less pressure i would assume because yeah. it's just like a little baby's thing now being that you're the custodian really of your family's legacy do you feel how does that make you feel do you feel any pressure and how do you hold on to their legacy while still creating a, a voice and a style and a uniqueness of your own the way that I look at it even now for my own kids, if you do well, you you want your children to do better. So mm-hmm. that's the end goal. So as good as you are, your children have to be better than you. And I think that that really puts an emphasis on uh, one day I will take over. And um, I love working with my mom. It's, she's my best friend. So it's really fun doing that with her. But, you know, there's an expiration, unfortunately, expiration date to everything. So um, doing it on my own, there is a lot of pressure. And I have to just keep up. It's, yeah. it's, it's you know, it's, it's you're kind of in a hamster wheel. You have to keep up. You have to do better. You have to try harder. You have to, you know, find different niches and um, expand, you know, your channels. What are your plans and visions for your daughter? Do you want her to go into this industry or are you hoping that she finds her own voice? Absolutely not. You don't want her to. Um, I want her to do whatever she wants. So she's also very artsy. So I I see it and she, I want to, I don't want to, necessarily do what my parents did where they kind of like led the way um you keep saying the word groom <laughs> they grooms me yes so i mean it's kind of true i mean i love it but it's true yeah um they nurture the talent but with her i want i want that day to come where she comes to me and she says mommy i want to do what you do right or if she comes to me and says one day like mommy i want to be a dancer or i you know, want to be a singer or I want to be a doctor, or I want to be a lawyer, whatever she wants, I will help her and, you know, find the resources for whatever she needs and wants to just make her happy. Because I think it's so important where my grandma actually would say this, where you, the best thing in life is when you run to work with joy, but then you run home with even more joy. So you have to wake up every day and you have to just be happy with what you're doing. That's that's really... That's beautiful. I've never heard that before. That's really what it's all about. Yeah. You have to be happy with whatever you're doing. If you're miserable, then yeah, no. you, may as well, you may as well be miserable sitting at home for free than working for free. This is, <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. And what are you looking forward to for your business? I think um, I like where we are right now. I would love to just keep it keep it going and just meet more brides and just you know keep up with the trends and just create just beautiful gowns for you know people to love and wear mm-hmm. and you know for me when 
you know, 30, 40, 50 years down the line when they're looking at that yellowed photograph and, you know, everything else is forgotten. You're going to forget, you know, the food and the flowers. But when you're looking at your wedding picture where, you know, you're with your husband, you will always remember where you got your dress. Always. And I think that is where I kind of, a piece of me is with a piece of them. Yeah. So I love that. so beautiful. Yeah, you're a part of so many people's, the first step of their new lives. And it's so important. And it's so nice that you take that so seriously because I, well, I guess I never really thought of it from the perspective of the person that works with the clients in that way. But, um, you know, it is such an important and transformational point of everybody's lives. So the fact that you take it so seriously is so special. Thank you. Yeah, no, of course. (laughs) Is there anything else that you would like to share with us today? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, this has been such a pleasure. Before we go, though, I have to do my quick fire with you. Okay, let's do it. What are the three things you think about most every single day? Three things. Health. Uh, wealth. <laughs> um, and We're all thinking of it. <laughs> <laughs> and what my children are eating. <laughs> yes. Amen. And yourself, I hope, too. And myself. <laughs> uh, if money were no object, what would you do? Oh, if money were no object. I think that... I would do more philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take a nice long vacation <laughs> <laughs> and uh, come back and just continue what I'm doing. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you had a warning label, what would it be? I actually, <laughs> I've watched your podcast <laughs> and I couldn't come up with an answer. So on my way here, I asked my husband in the car, I said, what is my warning label? So I'm going to use what he said. I'm not very, um, I don't agree with him, but he said, do not enter. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I said, okay, I don't gonna, know in what way he meant. I don't know. But in all ways, gonna, I like it. We're going to go with it. <laughs> like it. That's pretty funny. Uh, and my last and final question, how do you take your oysters? Raw. Raw. Oh, my God. Do not enter it. She likes it raw. Okay. <laughs> On that note, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having we me. We wish you continued success. Thank you. Everybody, please be sure to follow M Bridal on Instagram. Are you on TikTok or any of the other? I'm not. Not yet. Okay. Well, she'll, she's going to get on TikTok. Yes. Get on TikTok, I got to get on TikTok. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to World's Your Oyster. If you love what you're listening to, be sure to like, rate, and review this episode wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at World's Your Oyster. And share this episode with a friend. We'd really appreciate it. Bye-bye.